the clouds. No, no. Apparently this is a very rare uh, celestial occurrence caused by basically the world being on fire. Mm. In a literal sense. It's a, the usual figure to the point. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, the smoke gives me a headache, so I'm just kind of sluggish uh, this past few days. But uh, I did get a chance to watch some of the videos you put up, and they were a lot better than what I was experiencing in my game. And I think part of the thing is my computer can't run the revision. Like, when I try to launch the revision, it, like, crashes. So I've just been playing on the original version. And it's uh, your yours yours is looking much more clean and crisp. So. Yeah, I think I think the the graphics at least for the revision, but I mean gameplay wise, I can't detect any difference. It's mm-hmm. it's literally just a, an update on the the graphics and resolution. Um, I don't think they changed anything about the story besides like inserting their their credits on the opening screen. Oh yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Um, was this was it a mod that was put together by fans and players, or is it a professional thing? Uh, it was fans. It's a free mod. Um, That's cool. Like, entirely, you know, without the profit motive attached. They, they just loved the game and wanted to update it. You know, it's, it's the game that inspires that kind of admiration. Yeah. yeah, well, Steve, did you give another shot? Uh, negative. <laughs> Dang, dude. I'm not. What? That's right. Hey, you know, you know, not everyone here has their summer break off, okay? True. Uh, granted, you are playing, you know, in the midst of, like, a natural disaster where there's smoke, but at least you have time. Um, yeah. Which is something I'm severely lacking at this point in time. No, Steve, I feel like our situations have been exactly reversed from this time <laughs> last year. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, oh, well. I uh, I did look up the script of the game. I just put it in the chat. I, I moved our semester from near to Deus Ex, and I put there a script that I found. So, yeah, it's hard to keep everything straight um, as you're playing, especially because, you know, people are shooting at you and... Well, I don't know. There's just a lot going on. There's always like multiple objectives that you're sort of working on yes. at the same time. And that's, I think, part of what's so mentally taxing about this game. and so different from what I'm used to. Um, yeah, it's kind of like you can lose track of the most important thing uh, very easily. Uh, the game seems to actually encourage that to an extent. Um, so, I, yeah, somebody, I guess, just made this script... Uh, it's got like really cool uh, ASCII text at the very start of it Um, and it seems pretty complete I don't know it's got like you know alternative answers that you can give and and all that stuff so I'm going to go ahead and trust it Um, and I was curious if you yeah A if, if you noticed any differences so far it sounds like no in the revision mod um and B, like, are there any parts of this script that you're, the, or of the game as a, as a whole, that you're, like, finding that you're not remembering at all that's, like, surprising to you? Um, it's hard to say. I, I, I admittedly do not see any differences between the revision mod and the, the 
game, at least not yet. Um, again, like obviously the graphics are updated, but you know it's it's still true to form. Like they're it, it's just a cosmetic thing. Um, like even you know one of the things that I appreciated is uh, in the original game, like Gunther especially just looks really blocky and uncomfortable. And you know part of that was the graphics, but part of it was because he was intended to look um, outdated by comparison to. Oh. terrifying yeah uh he's got these like red eyes uh at least in the revision i don't know if i've even seen him so far because i didn't rescue him i mean i did i guess i went and talked to him in the in the headquarters but i can't remember his eyes being super scary like that um yeah so he's like a cyborg right he's been pretty much mechanically augmented whereas uh paul and jc have these nano augments, which are like invisible and yet make them way more powerful. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, is, is that, so you think that some of this stuff is kept in there, like to stay true to the original game where they might've tried to update it and they decided now nah, we'll, we'll keep it in there. Well, I think it was a matter of, of updating it without actually changing the original uh, game in any way. Um, like a lot of the times when uh, game studios or developers or whoever update games to, to a more modern audience or to more modern graphics, um, you lose something in the transition. Uh, like the famous example is they did Silent Hill 2 remastered for the PS3 um, and they took out the, the, the fog. Like, the, originally in, in Silent Hill 2, there's all this fog all over the place, and it obscures um, the level dramatically when you're wandering, you have no idea what's out there. Um, and it was done in its day because the PS2 wasn't powerful enough to process long distances, so they're like, well, I guess we could just fog it all up, and we don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the PS3 version, they, quote, fixed that. And it made the game so much worse. Um, the fog was such an integral part of the setting, the aesthetic. You know, sometimes the shortcuts that, that developers take to, you know, get around a serious technological limitation actually proves to serve what they're doing really well. Mm. Um, and I think the the uh, team who's doing the mod here recognized that. Like, they want to update it. They want to make the interface more accessible. You know, it is rough to play the original Deus Ex on, you know, even a 1080p monitor in, you know, Windows 7, much less today. Um, and now it's considerably more manageable. Um, but even the, the interface, I was kind of expecting them to update the HUD and the, the interface as well, like make the menus a little bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. They did not. It is exactly the same. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously, you know, some of that might be a little bit of slavish devotion. You see that in the modern community, especially. Um, but some of it too is just, you know, they recognize that they are not trying to change the game. 
this is not a remaster, this is not a reboot, this is not the original developer making a definitive edition. Mm -hmm. um, this is a bunch of people trying to keep their game going after many years beyond its, its normal lifespan would have extended. Interesting. So, I don't know if, um, yeah, if the the UI, is it like integrated in any way in the story? Like, is that something that JC is supposed to be seeing in some sense? Um, the way that he has this like info link with the headquarters, does he have some kind of like uh, virtual, uh, I don't know, uh, inventory that he looks at from time to time on his shades? Yeah, I, I don't think if that's quite the case. Mm -hmm. um, I know that he he mentions that you know he's got these visual augments. That's why he wears the sunglasses. Like in the Unico headquarters area, the Amanovarman makes this remark about you know it's going to look really weird for you to be wearing sunglasses indoors in at night. And he's like, well, it's not like I have a whole lot of options here. Like you know, my eyes glow blue. It's kind of crazy. Um, so I think the menu is meant to at least aesthetically channel his, you know, whatever he's perceiving. Um, like, it is supposed to be a sort of diegetic uh, heads-up display. Um, and certainly the, the, the menus that you see when you are playing the game, like the, the little bar at the bottom that shows you which weapons you've got mapped, which keys, I, I think that that's meant to be um, legitimately part of his perception. Um, and there are times that you can like augment it or upgrade upgrade it. Like we got the first augmentation where you know yes. the, the video we can pick up big boxes now, except that yes. you know, I haven't really found that to do that with. <laughs> um, but there's definitely a couple of vision augmentations down the road. Um, like you can those scientific goggles that allow you to see through walls. Um, you can get one of those permanently installed in your head and turn it off and on as, as you will. Um, so obviously that's meant to be, you know, actually diegetic in the game. Um, but in the grand tradition of diegetic user interfaces, um, Deus Ex is not at the level of like dead space where literally all of the, the health bars and the information is meant to be in game. Like Isaac is not seeing, he's seeing the exact same thing that you're seeing. Um, or you have games like Bioshock, where there is no menu, um, or Fallout, where like the Pip Boy is your menu, and it's, you know it's done up in the exact same design and aesthetic that the actual device on your wrist should be. Cool. DSX isn't quite that sophisticated. Yeah, no, I mean it. I think it works okay. I saw you fighting with it a bit, like on your playthrough, trying to figure out what all the keys do and uh, mapping, you know, stuff to your your number keys and and whatnot, and Believe me, like yep. I wrestle with that a thousand times more as I try to <laughs> figure this yeah. thing out. I got to a point here. Yeah, I got I got the augment. I chose the same one you did, the strength one, so I can just pick stuff up because I don't I don't think I'll be doing a whole lot of melee combat if I can avoid it because um, that would require like way too much dexterity. I feel like. yep. um, and I got to a point in the in the subway where I don't have any biofuel left and I can't see anything in the ducts. Yes. I'm like, what? So where is there a, uh, where is there one of those stupid um, bots that re refills your bio electricity? 
Yeah. Um, the little consumable ones. Like I think they only give you like twenty points out of your your hundred, but you know that's that's the way you're you're meant to sort of recharge after you exhausted your your battery life. It is um, tough, man. And so you need that to do the strength thing too, right? You have to like turn that on, and yes. it uses up energy. Okay. Yep. Uh, okay. Well. So, yeah. There's a lot of meters and sort of resources to manage here and that's one of the things that deus ex is doing very deliberately like yeah. there will be times where you know you've, you've got your sniper rifle and it's exactly the weapon that you want to use but you're running out of 30 odd six ammo so you're going to have to switch it up just to you know <laughs> be able to keep playing um, and everything that you have is what you have there's no you know, it, it's not like a modern first-person shooter where every time you go back to base, you, you get to reload and all of your weapons automatically refill. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're carrying, you know, 15 10-millimeter bullets, that's how many you have. And when you get back to UNACO headquarters, you might be able to buy more, but there's never going to be a point where you're 100% comfortable with your armaments. Right, um, right. There's yep. no, you know, infinite respawn for your weapons or anything like that you're going to have to place as you go well yeah and part of the um part of the branching paths here are making decisions about what weapons to pick up and what to leave behind i i guess it's it seems to me entirely possible that you get to a point in the game where you need a certain kind of weapon or item like a lock pick right or a multi-tool and you and you don't have it and so you're just stuck until you find either the thing you're missing or an alternate route, which I guess is entirely yeah. possible, right? So I guess they probably work pretty hard to make sure that even if you run out of any given item, there should be another way around the obstacle. Um, pretty much. Yeah. Um, like it's not, what it comes down to is, you know, you're building your character to solve problems in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And if you have, if you are building a character that is all about hacking or all about computer use, or all about sneaking and you run out of lockpicks or you run out of bullpipe tools it means you're probably going to have to brute force it for a little while right. which you're probably not set up to do um so on the one hand having contingency plans like carrying a couple of, of grenades with you at all times just in case everything <laughs> goes sideways yeah. you know there, there's a definitely a valid strategy to that but a lot of it too is about you know when do you use your resources and when do you hold on to them um yeah like when i was wandering around through the the castle you know i, I definitely used one of my lock picks and didn't have to and i was kicking myself for it because you know yeah. you don't get that many of them um it's also why i will occasionally like save scum like i will unlock a door and then yeah right outside the door if i don't like what i find totally well yeah and so even like having some food on you right it's like not a very useful item usually you would just use it to replenish your health right away and be done but but if you carry some food around then there's these kids uh a couple of them at least in the subway area who need food and then they'll tell you important stuff if you feed them and yeah. uh then you can also feel good about yourself right instead of just like 
saying, uh, well, sorry, like just starve kid. Um, so uh, it, it, it's like the game and even more so, I guess, with the whole Ambrosia vaccine, right? The, the problem of scarcity and resources is like very much there in the story and the world of the game as well as, you know, mechanics for that matter. Yeah. You know, like, like we were just saying, you're never going to feel comfortable with the number of lockpicks you have. The number of <laughs> you know, they, they are rare and you need to protect them. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, you super awesome nano augmented super soldier. Like one of the things that I was so struck by was, um, you know, when you're in UNACO headquarters, you go up to a vending machine and you can hit it as many times as you want candy bars to just spit out yeah. like two credits a piece. You can just buy them until you're blue in the face. Uh, but if you didn't bring any from UNACO headquarters, you could wander all over that subway level and find nothing. Right. Um, which, cool. you know, on the one hand, here we are talking about scarcity of ammo, scarcity of weapons. To, to think that there are these massive sprawling areas representing the city in the game and food is impossible to find suggests a world that has gone very, very wrong. Yeah. Um, like, these kids come up to you and they're like, hey, I'm hungry, I'm starving. And up until this point, you've been finding food fairly regularly, so you figure the same will happen. But nope, nothing. Well, yeah. And because the government has all the resources, right? Like you, you're seeing kind of the, the cream of the cream uh, as far as, yeah. And but even there, yeah, you you get you get doled out lockpicks very sparingly uh, from the quartermaster and whatever. So, yeah. It, so the um, the headquarters has a lot of kind of little world building pieces to it. Uh, obviously, we meet you know, all these characters that we've only been sort of talking to and hearing about so far um, over the info link. And um, again, yeah, you might've met Gunther if you rescued him, uh, but I found that effectively impossible. So I, I didn't do that. And you, you do get rewarded for saving him, right? But not that much, I feel like for how tough it is. Uh, and he seems pretty cold towards you either way, actually. He and Anna yeah. Navarre are like, they're feeling, well, anyway, it seems like it's this um, generational change happening within yes. UNATCO. And you're the you're the worst of it. I mean, Paul is already there, but he seems to not really bother people as much as JC does. And may, maybe because he just has like a, I don't know, a softer approach to things. I, I, I don't know. But um, we're seeing JC get a lot of hate from a lot of different directions. Uh, again, kind of depending on the choices you make. You know, if you don't kill people, people are mad at you uh, for being too gentle. If you do, they're mad at you for wasting resources and going in, you know, going too crazy. Um, but anyway, so uh, the, one of the things you've, you can find there is a, um, like a bunch of documents that explain sort of where UNATCO comes from. Uh, yeah, all the stuff in the, the yeah and it's it's like a relatively new development um so even though there's this like shift happening it's all very new still uh the same guy who's running it is the one who like masterminded it and and started it uh so he yeah i don't know he seemed like a strange um character there 
is he one of the ones who's talking at the start of the game in that little cutscene, or is he not one of those two old men? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, we're going to meet the first one soon. Um, the the doctor scientist guy we are for yeah. a while, if at all. Um, but yeah, men literally. Uh, we will we will see what what his deal is the next time we come back to Unetco headquarters. But you are right that he's a little close lipped um, at this stage. You know, like he he's just very you know cryptic, like every boss character on every cop show ever um, at this point. Uh, just very gruff and you know giving you proper proper rewards for what you have accomplished, but still not terribly excited about your performance. Like, like you mm-hmm. said, criticizes you either way. Yeah, and, well, I don't know. I made the mistake of going into the women's restroom. I thought that would be, oh, no. you know, where they would hide something, you know, interesting. Right, yeah. And, you no, know, it just punishes you for doing so and tells you that you're rude and giving the agency a bad name. So, but, yeah. I mean, it's pretty awesome that the game includes restrooms in the first place and they're they're everywhere actually in the headquarters headquarters is full of bathrooms uh so i yeah but explore them at your own risk um i tried really hard to catch that cleaning bot that's going around it seems pretty elusive i thought if i caught it i would get something good but i don't think you can interact with it at least as far as i was trying and i i tried i tried killing manderly because i just disliked him so much and distrusted him (laughs) And uh, Paul killed me immediately um, when I did that. So I feel like I gave him some good headshots and it just, it had no effect. Like he He just, just no, no. Um, But that's part of the weird thing, right? It's like uh, the game affords that and just lets you see the consequences of trying different things, like very much obviously wrong things. You can, you can go ahead and do them. Uh, And sometimes it, kills you and sometimes it just makes you feel like a bad person uh, <laughs> uh yeah so i don't know so what other stuff i i feel like i didn't fully explore the headquarters um i did like you know read all the stuff i could find but um is that where the training takes place like can you access the training rooms in there somewhere yes oh, wow. um i i didn't actually do the the tutorial this time around because it was i don't know like, it is fairly well hidden mod or normally I don't even know. Um, but I missed it, jumped straight into the Statue of Liberty mission, which is why I was, you know, working on my keybinds the whole time. <laughs> right. um, but uh, I did notice the, the gun range, like inside of yeah. the headquarters, um, is the same one that you're at in, in the, tr- the tutorial. Um, so yeah, that at least is, is very much the same. Um, so I suspect that you know, like I, I think that there's, I think that a lot of the tutorial isn't accessible um, in Unaco headquarters. Like the stealth area, I'm pretty sure is totally locked off. Um, okay. But some of the areas, I think, are at least reminiscent, even if they're not exactly the same. Yeah. So again, just like the way that this game makes everything sort of real um like that area exists it's part of the headquarters you can go there if you want to um yeah and so i i was finding that the um the people 
like the the administrators would sort of give different answers for things also. Um, and I don't know if this becomes important later, but uh, of all of them, I feel like I trust the medical one the most. And Jaime Reyes. yeah, yep. Jaime Reyes, I'm okay with like he he's upfront with you about telling you that there's things he can't tell you, which I found, you know, reassuring in a weird way. Um, whereas the, uh, the hacker, Alex Jacobson, right. He claims that he'll turn off the info link for you, um, when you're off duty, but that's precisely what Jaime told you. He can't tell you, uh, like, can I turn this off is what you ask. And he says, I, I can't answer that question. So, to me, that makes Alex out to be, you know, a complete, uh, you know, completely untrustworthy. And because he's sort of in your head all the time, like maybe to an extent, JC is not even a reliable narrator here, like an, a reliable view on the world for, for the player. So I don't know how far to go with this kind of conspiracy thinking, but it does seem conspicuous here that you're, you're getting he very different. want you to think yeah. this way. Yeah. Um, like just some of the lines there, you know, like you said, the, the line that Alex has about turning it off when you're off duty, you know, you are meant to question that. It is meant to sound suspicious. Yeah. Um, and I think it's wise to sort of get to know the characters that are in Unaco headquarters, what you can trust, what you can't trust, what, and, you know, their relationships to you. Like mm-hmm. Gunther and Anna obviously are very suspicious of you. Right. Andrew Lee seems officious. You are just a tool to him. Right. Um, whereas, you know, Jaime Reyes seems to be very upfront with you. The the quartermaster, the guy who, you know, the oh, ex general. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's he's pretty shoot from the hip on this one. Um, and you know, then you've got Alex Jacobson who seems to be like very much just working for the man at this point. Mm-hmm. Um so it's good to know these things. It's good to know the layout of UNACO headquarters. We'll be back here fairly frequently. Um, but also, you know, at the same time, a lot of the information that you will get is obtained quasi-illicitly. <laughs> um, like, you know, you're poking around and you can find that little data cube on the, the secretary's desk in front of Manderley's office, and now you have Manderley's password. Isn't right. that convenient? Right. Um, or you can find Gunther's information uh, in the, the hacker's area, and then you can go into Gunther's office and log in as Gunther and you know, see the emails that he's been sending. Yes. Trustworthy um, here is, I guess, what I want to what I want to sort of stress. Oh, interesting. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like you, everyone in this supposedly you know, unified fascist, if we can trust the NSF agency. Um, everyone obviously has their own agendas. Like, I think that's one of the things that the game is very much stressing. You know, here you are in this political thriller of, of factions, you know, differing objectives <laughs> and intrigue and so on and so forth. And it's very much still, at the end of the day, a human thing. You know, mm-hmm. like... Everybody's got their own agendas, absolutely. But the the institutions, the you know organizations, are only as strong as their weakest link. Hmm. Um, the people are what make these things happen. 
So, you know, if you are part of UNETCO, that may be good, may be bad, but you personally will ultimately decide whether it's, you know, goals succeed or fail. And likewise with the NSF, you know, you talk to that, the, the guy at the top of the, of the Statue of Liberty, the, you know, commander guy, and he right. seems pretty quick to surrender, um, pretty quick to level with you. Yeah. Um, obviously, the NSF is also informed by this human element. Yeah, no, I, it's very interesting because we were wondering last time, uh, and I don't know if this was part of the material that got lost because of human error. So, but uh, we were like, okay, so how did the Statue of Liberty lose her head? Um, and I think that if you look at the head, then you get this like message from Alex about how oh it was the french terrorists who did it they were mad um or as you're like reading stuff you know people think that um the uh nsf did it right because they're destructive like that and have no respect but other people think that the government actually did it and is you know trying to frame these other uh, actors right and so there's this um yeah there's this problem with all of the information in this world uh, because yeah it's all coming from people and each person has their motivations and their uh well you know they're trying to conceal other things so yeah it's very it's very interesting to say you know maybe you are also untrustworthy yeah because you're going around hacking into their computers reading their emails and gunther's are all misspelled um and in a weird in a weird way that makes them kind of endearing i feel like uh, so I kind of think that the people, yeah, then, then I start to think, like, second guess myself. Maybe the people who the game make out to be the more trustworthy I should really not trust, right? Like Jaime, you know, he's the medical guy. He can augment you. That means he knows everything um, about JC. And, uh, you know, maybe like the uh, Anna Navarre and Gunther, well, probably by the end, they'll be your, your closest allies as you're trying to take down um uh manderly or whoever is really behind uh all of these all these various lies uh and deceptions so yeah i i think it it puts the player in an interesting position of of sort of this like detective story aspect to it um trying to figure out where the truth really lies and yeah getting to find out more about the uh the different terrorist factions i think will will help triangulate in a way. Um, but so far, yeah, we've only really seen the NSF. We've, we've heard about these other ones, um, but I don't think we've met anyone. Well, although there's also yeah, like- the information yeah. terminal has like a specific entry on, I think four, four different terrorist organizations. Yeah. NSF, um, Silhouette is the French one that mm -hmm. is supposedly responsible for, for attacking the Statue of Liberty three years ago. Um, and then there's the triads, which apparently are like the East Asian uh, terrorist organization. And then there's like a fourth entry that's like, there are a bunch of other small ones, but they're not worth talking about. <laughs> right. Um, right. But, but then within, you know, the NSF, there's also like mercenary thugs, right? So yes. it's, it seems like they have sort of factions within themselves. And, and if you overhear the guards talking, they'll talk about like, you know, different people, like individuals who have names and how they like 
agree or disagree with what they're doing. Um, so I, and I don't know that, you know, the commander, yeah, is, is necessarily actually in charge of that organization. It seems like there's other people doing stuff like there's a shell game going on here. And, you know, we took the one that they wanted us to take, uh, but the, well, the ambrosia and it seems like the augment canisters are also like out there still um, and, and being moved around faster than we can sort of catch up to them. Uh, and I don't know, like Gunther and Anna, they're, they're both set up to be so sort of um, despicable in a way, right? Like Gunther, he doesn't listen to orders. He can't spell in his emails. Uh, he's big and blocky. And Anna is just like so murderous. Uh, she just wants to kill yeah. NSF. And, and yet, um, when you compare them with like the, the quartermaster who's got every reason to be angry, he's he's like, well, you know, let's not talk about that. Let's like let's be professional, right? So it's it's such a strange organization. <laughs> um, why is he back there, you know, off the front lines? Um, and why are these hotheads? Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah. You talk to him and he says, you know, uh, like, you, you call him general. Casey obviously knows about him. Like, mm -hmm. he studied him in class. And the guy's like, I'm not a general anymore. We're not talking about the past. Yeah. Let's move on. Like, he's all business, which is itself kind of suspicious. Like, mm -hmm. in the same way that Jaime is very upfront about his, you know, word. Like, I can't tell you that. The general on the... Uh, by contrast, is more like we're just not going to talk about anything that we're getting close to that. Mm -hmm. just strictly professional. I am here to give you weapons. What weapons do you need? <laughs> right. right, but only if only so many weapons, right? Like there's a, a definite um, uh, rationing happening here. Um, yeah, and so we learned like a tiny bit about JC there too. He's like trying to talk about their past. And he says that his parents were killed in a car crash or something, um, which is not what I was expecting. Um, it's like a comic book, you know, backstory where I thought he was just sort of like grown in a test tube or something. Uh, it seems that he actually does have like a, um, you know, normal life prior to becoming the super soldier that he is. Um, yeah. So that was odd. And it sort of, occurred to me only then that I sort of had made all these assumptions about JC, which maybe are not, again, you know, he's not who he appears to be either. Um, so yeah. Uh, other, other stuff from the headquarters, um, again, sort of like hacking into people's emails. Uh, they don't seem too well, uh, too secure. Right? Uh, they do sort of yeah, just leave their data. Yeah, clearly not doing his job right. <laughs> yeah, you can hack into all sorts of different computer stuff at various points. I'm pretty sure if you do, in, in fact, try to use Vanderly's computer and hack in as him while he's sitting there, Paul shoots you that way as well. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, I, I think I have, in fact, tried that one. Um, and, you know, surprise, nobody wants you hacking into the boss's computer right in front of the boss. Um, but yeah, like, it's obvious that, that there's just a bunch of sort of weird stuff happening with the technology. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things that I noticed, um, 
is there, there's like this retinal scanner that you use to get into the base. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it automatically recognizes you as the door opens, no big deal. Um, which is all well and good, but then, you know, after you've gone and done all the stuff you're supposed to do, I, I went back and I used the other side of the retinal scanner and said, since you have talked to Dr. Manerly, the door will open for you. And I was like, wait, would, would you have locked me in <laughs> if I had not done what uh, you told me to do? Okay. Um, like, at what point you do get to, you know, you, in your exploration of the facility, you can sort of find the, the prison cells yeah. um, and even get into the interrogation room if you find the, the little data pad that has the, the keep the login information. But at the same time, I, I kind of like chafed a little bit, you know, and that's something that, that has sort of been, been re-suggested over and over, like Heidi telling you that, you know, he can't telling you about this or Alex saying, sure, we turn it off when you're off duty. Mm -hmm. You know, when are you off duty? Right. You know, right. like you've got this office at Unanco headquarters. At this point, there's no indication that you have a separate apartment or living quarters or anything. Um, hmm. And now you find out that they feel perfectly comfortable locking you into the facility if you haven't done your job yet. Like, that's unsettling. Yeah. Um, what, you know, what is this place? That's cool. Um, and, and how does, how do you operate as a unit within it? Like as an employee, um, just what are your rights in this world? It just strikes me. Yeah. The next setting you go to, right, you go on the boat. And so there's no sort of direct link between the two, but you, you end up at a place that's awfully like the Statue of Liberty Island. Um, the Battery Park. It's like an old ruin of a defense, you know, um, emplacement. Uh, it's all these like walls and it's kind of been turned into a monument. Um, but it's also inhabited by homeless people, right? All these uh, people walking around are labeled like bum or drifter, you know, or whatever. And it's like incredibly sad. Um, they have like little fires burning in barrels and they have like their cots and their chairs in their um little slump yeah exactly with, with the 40s. and the and and yeah if you drink it you know it like makes your vision kind of blurry for a few minutes there um but but it's also like a distorted version of of the headquarters again right it's it's your life just seen from the other side sort of um and it, it's it's extremely unsettling. Um, yeah, the I, I guess with this game so far, I just really like I'm not finding like any sure ground. It's all just a play of of perspectives, conflicting and sort of like mirroring each other in all these distorted ways. Um, it's a very I would say almost a nauseating experience so far, and I don't mean just like the like the way that first person shooters always sort of give me a headache, but like just the, the, um, the subtext there too. Uh, there, th is there any information that we are sure is true so far? <laughs> I, I just don't think there's anything. Um, Not really. Yeah. I mean, the, the game does not open with, you know, the, the whole like title card, 
information scroll right. that you know is given to you from some exterior omniscient figure, presumably trustworthy. Instead, it opens with the two characters talking, and you get the sense that they're both terrible people. <laughs> yeah, um, right. You know, the scientists sitting there talking about all of these people dying, and it's totally within the realm of the plan. And you know, it, it's it's monstrous what they're talking about. Um, and you know, you're you're opening with that as authority. Yeah, like. You can trust these people because they are in a place where they don't think they're being observed and they are authoritative because they apparently have control or some sort of influence over all of these horrible things that are happening. They are the engineers behind the stuff of these massive conspiracies. So the game is clearly priming you to be suspicious. Um, to take everything with a with some serious salt, mm-hmm. um, because you know in this like it's especially poignant that like these two guys are talking in front of that giant globe that's apparently projected. Like oh, yeah. you get the sense that they have the world in their hands. That they are in this sort of godlike state. Like I think even one of the characters even mentions like likens themselves to God at yeah. one point. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they are the Superman. They are the gods of this world. And JC is very much, just by virtue of his skill set and augmentation and upgrades, one of that number. Um, like, he is the cutting edge. And therefore, there is so much potential, so much riding on him. But as a consequence, he has a great deal of responsibility. And you, as the player, do as well. Yeah. Um, but you were meant to sort of look at this from a God's eye perspective. You were encouraged to do that. Yes, you're the boots on the ground soldier guy who's, you know, fighting hand to hand with these terrorists and deciding, you know, whether or not to rescue Gunther. But at the same time, you, the player, you're being sort of poked and prodded. You're, you're given a bunch of different resources to do that too. Like even in UNACO headquarters, you get that quasi legitimate news source that seems to be reporting the news about the, the NSF, but you also get like the Midnight Sun, which is <laughs> yeah. obviously some kind of tabloid thing, right. talking about you know aliens and, and all sorts of nonsense. Or is it? You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're forced to sort of ask these questions. You're, you're being shown that this is a world with a lot of different viewpoints. You know, even down to the NSF, like overhearing their conversations, the fact that they call you fascist when you when they see you. Right. You know, it's very obvious that they're that rather than having some objective truth, some you know absolute that you get to judge all of the events in this game against. You're being presented with a whole bunch of different perspectives, and it's going to be up to you to navigate between them. Yeah, yeah, and the well. So your position as the fascist um, is explicitly linked to your position as the police too. So that's yes. you know one element of this game that's extremely interesting, right? Not just the not just the conspiracy stuff and the information stuff, um, although that's super interesting, right? And not even just the the virus, you know, the pandemic that's raging. Uh, but this specific thing about, yeah, the locus of control and force and violence in the police and how you represent that, 
Um, but you can also really subvert that because, you know, at least in your playthrough and the way I'm trying to play it, like you don't have to kill anyone, uh, at least so far. You, you, you can avoid killing. Um, uh, and you, in fact, you can, you know, help and save people. And to do so, you kind of have to go against the institution that you're a part of. But but maybe you're also in that way getting closer to this kind of ideal figure of Paul, who's like, you know, among superhumans, the most superhuman so far. Um, you, you, you can kind of make yourself more like him than like Manderly or Gunther or whoever else. Uh, so you have these kind of figures of, they're not objectively true, but they are like clear and, and distinct, um, I would say, as, as sort of models to work towards. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, the best thing that I've got so far. Yeah, sort of like, yeah, when you go about sort of creating your own truth, you do it in the in the shape of somebody else that you can kind of look at to, to compare. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it seems like the, you know, the police um, in this world have a lot of um, potential uh, for good or evil. And that that rings pretty true um, playing it now. So. So yeah, so they're in, in Battery Park. Um, I realized pretty quickly that like just going straight down into the subway was not gonna be a smart thing. Uh, <laughs> so, so have you ever played it that way though? Can can you just take out all of the terrorists and rescue the hostages that way? Is that possible? I think I've done it. Um, like you have to be real clever about it. Like, I think you've got to sort of, like, the one time that I did back take the more special approach, um, and again, you'll notice that it took me a while that you need to figure out that you just, like, open the subway doors and escape without a chance. <laughs> right. Which, you know, I have so many questions, but all the same, very helpful. I can't believe um, it worked. But yeah, I, at least once, I did, in fact, sort of camp out at the top of those subway steps and pick off the guards oh my one by one, like with a sniper rifle or with gas grenades or, or whatever. Um, like they, they even instruct you, right? I think when you talk to Anna after you clear out Castle Clinton, uh, she gives you an EMP grenade and she says, oh, yeah. you know, if you use that, it'll disable the bomb and that'll buy you time. Um, so, you know, if you're clever about it, if you pick off a couple of the guards at the front, Pretty sure they'll, they'll hesitate, like they, they won't detonate things just yet, mm. which gives you an opportunity to sort of rush in, use the EMP grenade, use a gas grenade, and run while everybody's choking. That's your opportunity to pick them off. But it is way riskier. Like <laughs> yeah. walking in behind everyone, telling everybody to get on the train, and then going is way safer and more elegant. Yeah. Uh, and nobody dies, you know, like. Once again, that, that's sort of the, the best solution here. Yeah, well, it's so weird because you can sneak into the castle portion or you can go straight in. And if you, well, so I was clumsy and uh, just had Anna and her couple of guards just like gun everyone down uh, yeah. in, in the castle. And that works fine, um, but they won't do that in the subway, right? Because of the hostages, I guess. Uh, so you're sort of just, again, like on your own. And I don't know if this is supposed to be like a continuation of the test, 
you know, this this sort of implied in in the Statue of Liberty portion, like whoever was testing you is still testing you at this point, monitoring you, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's odd that um, there isn't like a strategic element to this game of like massing your troops and moving them around. You're sort of just like the the one, you know, the super soldier. And so that's a, I guess, kind of an interesting holdover of, of individualism in an otherwise very like subjective, very sort of postmodern game. Um, does that make sense? Exactly. It's it's a different sort of thing from, um, you know, the the other game Steve and I were talking about last time, which are these like sort of Starcraft and Warcraft type games where you like put all your minions all, all in their different little squads and have them kind of coordinate in different ways. It's it, it is much more of a, uh, a mousetrap or what, what do they call those kind of puzzles and 
you, you move one thing and then it hits another thing and they all start, you know, going at once. Oh, the like Rube Goldberg. The Rube Goldberg machines, exactly. It's it's yeah. more like that than a um, than a sort of real time strategy. Um, but it's what's striking me as I play more is is that it's also very like a visual novel, right? It's like you point and click all around and and you and you check various things and you see what's there in your in your set. Uh, your surroundings, you know, and, and then you sort of piece things together from it. Um, so yeah, it's a, generically a very interesting game. Um, and the choices that they allow and the choices that they don't. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's about all that I was kind of stewing over here <laughs> as, I, as I played this week. Um, other stuff that we should should mention here oh there's the latin phrase i didn't want to let this get by us um yeah i didn't have the the presence of mind to get it interpreted or translated here so it's so it's nihil aliud skeet necessitas quam vincere and that's necessity knows nothing else but victory in in google's uh suggestions that's the one that seems the most popular here um, yeah, so this is a quote from some Latin author, you know, um, and it is the, the motto of, uh, UNATCO apparently. So this tells me, you know, they're classically educated, right? Obviously the makers of the game, they like Latin cause they put Deus Ex as the title. Um, and then they, they have this pretty obscure reference, uh, which does appear to be a real thing, um, about how, yeah. Necessity knows nothing else but victory. So I guess that's sort of a commentary on as long as you get the job done, it doesn't matter how, right? Um, the the only thing that you need is uh, is success, but maybe also it comments on like how little information there is that's uh, actually you know true <laughs> in the game, right? Like there isn't a lot that we know in the game. Uh, all that we know is what we need to do and, and that we get it done. Uh, so it's it's an interesting, I would like to see the context of it. I haven't gone that far down to, to see where they might have got this quote or, or where it appears in this, um, you know, in, in the text. Uh, but, but it is cool that they throw something in there like that and they don't give you the translation. So you, you, you're left to sort of look it up if you want to know what it means. Um, yeah, yeah. But any, any other stuff from this portion so far? How did the Statue of Liberty lose their head? I'm sorry. I that, that is a great question. We don't know for sure. Yeah. We do not I'm know. I'm watching something, and the statue still has its head, so ah. it's just gone at some point. It's... Yeah, it's I, uh, TNT right next to it. I was wondering if that had anything to do with it. Right. <laughs> well, yeah, they got blown up it's at some the, point. We don't know statue, how. But, yeah, it's suggested, like, when, when you're by the, the statue's head, on the first level there, there's a plaque um that says that it was silhouette the the french terrorist organization that blew the head off the statue in an earlier attack and then you know that attack was apparently an incident that uh brought unatco to set their headquarters on liberty island like the game was made in july of 2000 so yeah. um it definitely understood the mechanics of how the response to terrorism actually works symbolically you place your police organization on the island where the massive terrorist attack that everyone remembers mm. took place 
Um, so some pretty interesting prescience on their part, I think. Um, like the World Trade Center having become this sort of symbol for the, the war on terror just a year after this game was made. Um, but at any rate, it isn't 100% sure that that's the case. Like, we're not entirely positive that it's not UNATO or the, the American government they represent, the United Nations government they represent, that has sort of orchestrated this attack and then pinned it on silhouette rather than, you know, accept the blame for themselves. And I will, I throw out that there, from things I've heard, Yoko Taro has gone on record saying that September 11th was a big inspiration for his, uh, like, uh, work on the Nier games. I don't think Automata in particular, but maybe the um, the original Nier game was sort of, like, directly his, like, processing September 11th and the, and the response to it. Oh, okay. Thank you. So that's a kind um, of cool... I'm going to start playing Nier Replicant. Yeah, just a slight nudge there to Steve. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah. That's just second or third hand that I've heard people talking about. So. What was your um, question, Corey? Oh, it's, it's probably kind of stupid. But um, so the healing of the body and stuff, is that something that cause I've just started watching? Um, is that something you have to, like, can you, like, if you break your leg, um, do you have to, like, go a certain way to fix it? Like, do you have, because it looks pretty, like, You've different body got parts. got a couple hurt. of options. Um, first off, if you find a med bot, that'll heal you all the way up, like, just automatically. Um, so there's the one in UNATCO headquarters that everyone tells you to visit, and then you can, like, augment yourself while you're there. Um, you also can heal bits and bobs by eating food. So, like, if you eat the, the soda or the um, soy food or drink a soda, or even if you, like, find a water source, you can drink and get, like, one hit point restored. Um, but it won't restore a broken leg. Like, if you have busted your leg or something, you can't just drink water until it's better. Um, however, there are med kits that you'll find. And while you've got to get a little arcade in order to do it, if you go into um, the, the inventory menu and the, the sort of body menu, you can apply a med kit directly to the injured uh, appendage, and that will heal it so it is functional, and then you can heal it with more conventional means. Hmm. Um, so it can be done, it's just tricky. I kind of like that attribute, because then it, it makes it a little more challenging, I feel like. Yes. You gotta pay attention to that. You're not just hurt, it's like certain parts of you that are hurt. So does it make and it so it, you can't walk very fast if you're broken Well, away? yeah, depending on what it is that's been hit, like, you will suffer adverse effects. So I think in the first video when I was on the Statue of Liberty Island, um, I had one of my arms shot out. Um, and as a consequence, I couldn't aim effectively. Like, I, I, it would, there was a lot more drift um, on the aiming. And even if I did, like, focus it on something, rather than sort of narrowing all the way to a small cross, um, like, there was a large margin of error um, which was annoying and frustrating. <laughs> um, and I was very much looking forward to like fixing that because I forgot that you can use the med kits to do it. Um, likewise, I think if you are shot in the leg, it's the same deal. Like you can't walk as quickly. Um, uh, I think there's also something for getting shot in the head, but I don't remember what the deal is. Like it would be 
raise your visions when, uh, or something like that. Uh, or maybe it just kills you. Maybe I'm thinking of Fallout. Yeah, I think you die. I mean, it tells you that you kill people with headshots, so I assume you get killed with a headshot too, but doesn't work on Paul, I'll tell you that. And, uh, oh, so I, yeah, I like the, um, the random, like, um, information that's, like, classified that you can just read about as you walk around. There's stuff about the medbots. There's stuff about the nanotechnology and augments. And there's this thing called the Dybbuk that's mentioned. It's like a flying machine that's, like, silent, like a drone, you know, um, a little, little ahead of when it was actually uh you know around us at all times they were they were sort of theorizing it um and the dybbuk is apparently a reference to like a spirit or or some kind of sort of monster um that apparently will possess you uh in in hebrew uh folklore so that's that's another kind of obscure reference that they're pulling from somewhere and i would love to know where they got that but um i had to look that one up as well so how does the divot come into play in the game like it's a you said it was a silent chopper yeah essentially it's hard to tell how big this thing is supposed to be but it's like yeah a an aircraft of some kind that is at least theorized and i assume we will either use or fight before too long um it's just written about in the in the headquarters. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested in that one. Um, so I just want to make sure it's the original because I see there's more multiple Deus Exes. Yes, we were playing the original from 2000. Um, I'm technically playing the mod, the Deus Ex Revision mod, which is basically just a graphical update. Um, but Human Revolution, Invisible War, and Mankind Divided are all sequels, so those are not the ones we were playing. Yeah. Um, Human Revolution is great. I love it. Like, I would like to talk about it at some point because I think it really does a lot of interesting stuff with the Deus Ex formula. Um, Invisible War is kind of famously bad for a variety of reasons. <laughs> it's older. Like a, I think it came out a couple of years afterwards, but like, it, it was. While it did a lot of the same things right and well, they made some fundamental gameplay choices that a lot of people were frustrated by. Um, and then Mankind Divided is the most recent one. Hmm. That one came out three or four years ago, I think. And it's good, probably not as good as Human Revolution. Um, but yeah, like I've played every one of them except Invisible War at this point. So if you are looking at like Human Revolution videos, that's not the one. on Twitch to even watch. So I see Deus Ex, then Deus Ex Human Revolution, and then Deus Ex Mankind Divided. Yeah, in this war, there'll be likes. And I'm not surprised. There is a Twitch stream for it. Yeah, I found Twitch streams for almost anything. So Yeah. Yeah. That's not very good. That's rough. All right. Thank you. Um, and so is anybody playing this? Um, is there like Twitch videos that I could watch if someone here playing? I have been recording, uh, like I'm not streaming, but we the link actually in the, the common area uh, to, or no, the common room, 
Yes. Yeah, it's in um, the video game academia YouTube page. I've been uploading um, ASX videos there. Um, okay. Yep. So I every everything we've talked about tonight I've recorded. Um, so yep, you're welcome to to record for it if you can't afford to to play it yourself. <laughs> Very happy to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I haven't had a lot of time to play, and I really do like watching you guys play. So that'll be awesome. It's like watching a movie because you guys, yeah, too awesome. Steve, thank you for playing before, and I'm sure, sure Ben, I'm going to love watching yours as well because I don't have to do the work, but I still get to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, Steve, are those saved yeah. somewhere? Or are they gone? No. No. They're gone. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. We need to hire like some kind of like digital archivist or something like that uh, for the so. school. Do you want to do that job? Do I? Do I want to do it? <laughs> it's uh, uh. Sure, why not? Yeah, it's too late for the near uh, automata ones, but maybe for the near replicant ones, we could, we could make it happen. Maybe. Yeah, we could sure. Put them onto the YouTube page. That would be more permanent. I right? know. Yeah, as long as they're on YouTube, they're pretty much there as long as you want them there. It will never um, go away. Google has any limits. All right. Well, yeah, there's much much organizing and, and cleaning up here to be done, I suppose. Uh, but I feel like this is a good a good uh, place to, to stop for tonight, if you guys are okay with that. I'm going to hit the hay here. Yeah, get some rest. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody. I'll see you all next time. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Sorry I was late again. Um, no see worries. you same time next week. Yeah. Yep. We'll be here. See ya. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.